I know this. All right, guys. Welcome to Cleveland Moto Podcast number 442. Light them up. The world's greatest motorcycle podcast. Now, hey, let's Good talk one. about that. We're going to, okay, we're going to get into that. To my immediate left, Chris Smith. To his immediate left, Steve Sleepy. To his immediate left, Johnny Mac. And to his, Dan Crumpy. Like butter dripping off a hot biscuit. So, um, <laughs> I noticed we got this great rating. We are we are now officially the world's greatest motorcycle podcast. Right. That's a big deal. I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was glad. Whatever the source is, I don't care. Well, it was assembled from a group of our listeners. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. And so yeah, they, well, 10 it, out of 10 of Cleveland Moto Podcast listeners, rate our podcast the, best the number one podcast in the world. In the world. And I got to say, that that makes me very proud. Our listeners, the hats off to you guys, Patreons, non-Patreons alike. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, we're hoping so. Free riders. You know, since they feel like that, we figured if we put that out there, then maybe other people might feel like that. They might feel like that too. Right. Absolutely. Sometimes you got to fake it to make it. Well, yeah. (laughs) Hey, you want to be cool? Act cool. Right? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how it works. Yeah, faking it to making it's a real thing. It absolutely is. I've had more than one job where I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Good thing I'm a quick learner. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. You know, operate a Ford triple nickel end loader. I, I got you, man. <gasps> okay, just move, the, just move the lever a little bit and see what happens. Okay, remember, that's what that one does. <laughs> and why they're not fucking labeled, I don't understand. Yeah. They were when it was built, but that wore off a long time ago. <laughs> that's true. I've never operated a new piece of equipment ever. So there you have it. They might be stupid enough to hire you, but not stupid enough to let you run a new piece of equipment. Right, right. I got yeah. it. <laughs> that's true. By the time they gave something to me, it was well worn off. When I was 18, I used to landscape for summer, you know, mm-hmm. going to college, whatever. And uh, somebody was like, you know how to run a bobcat? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went in there. Matt, you ever see those things, the things rocking back and forth, they're almost yeah. flipping over? Oh, yeah. That was me. It was yeah, terrible. It's pretty easy to do. And two, there's, there's, and for people who've never operated a skid steer, <laughs> yeah. there are multiple methods to use it. So some skid steers have what you know you would call lateral controls, right? and then other skid steers have portal controls, where it's more of a joystick operation. Mm-hmm. So you can think you know how to work one, tell somebody you know how to work one, rent one, and get in and be like, whoa, these... The pedals don't do what I'm thinking they're going to do right now. Right. And you can really make a fucking ass out of yourself in a hurry when you go from one uh, operation mode of skid steer well, to and another. And understanding, just a simple thing of like understanding how much forward thrust you can add if the bucket's <laughs> high. Like you have to know where the bucket's supposed to be before you start getting hey, those it guys juice. that can run it around on the front wheels, yeah. that's pretty impressive. It is. So. But when you're not that guy and it goes onto the front wheels, <laughs> that's when you shit yourself twice. <laughs> that's <laughs> where you realize a bitch got seatbelts in it. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Uh, so well, we, the one we had at work, I mean, when they're clapped out, they yeah. do that a lot. So like yeah. a new one, it usually turns a lot smoother. But yeah. when, when they get older, then there's play and stuff. Oh, yeah. They don't want to turn and stuff. You got to bleed that every once in a while. Maybe once every 20 years. So we had a really good guest in our midst Friday night. We got Oscar'd. So Friday night, Oscar came down. We went to Cedar Point Friday night for Hollow Weekends. We showed up. And it was like that kind of, it's cold, it's rainy, it's not going to be a great night at Cedar Point, but it's still it's a Friday. Cleveland. Exactly. It's Cleveland in October. Yeah, October yeah. This is exactly what you ordered. Do they make a little effort to keep the rides open, though? Like, Well, let's. Well, I'm going to tell you. Well, let's okay. talk about that. Let's talk about that. <laughs> because I've been to amusement parks in my life where they were like, well, it's slightly winding. Shut everything off. Right. Yeah. It's lightly raining. Shut everything off. Yeah. But I've also been to amusement parks in Blackpool, England where it's been slightly winding and slightly raining for 300 years, right? <laughs> Maybe 3,000 years, right. right? And they run an amusement park there, 
And nobody's going to buy a ticket for the amusement park that's called, we built these rides, now we don't run them because it's raining. Blackpool will run shit in a deluge, right? So you know they have it in them. You know these German ride designers and whatnot, these... uh, well, just think about, I mean, like, yeah. so you, <laughs> it's just this, this, this roller coaster screaming at a loop at like a hundred miles oh. an hour. And it's like, oh no, a drop of rain. Right. That's yeah, it. Yeah. It's right. over. Right. <laughs> no, you, these things are designed so that they <laughs> right. work on other planets, right? right. It, it would be perfect to have like the F-16 where you have mm-hmm. a bubble cockpit. Yes. And you can, it's like the rain or shine. We oh. can run this thing all winter long. World's fastest roller coaster, I believe is in Abu Dhabi. It's called like the Ferrari something. It's either in Qatar or... Uh, Abu Dhabi, but when you get on the thing, they give you goggles. <laughs> Not because it's raining, because you're about to go 170 miles an hour, right? That's why you get goggles. So we went and we jumped in the park, and it's, whoa, shit. It's like Chris said, it's Cleveland. It's October. It's Halloween weekends. People are getting their last runs in, so the park was very full. A couple of weeks ago, Renee and I went on a Thursday. There was nobody there. We had the whole park to ourselves. Totally cool. Go through the park. Having a good time. Didn't get to any fast passes. Just said, we're going to fucking go with it. Took him on the little sky ride thing so they get the lay of the land, see the park. Oscar has never been to Cedar Point. Really? He's been to he's been to uh, Disneyland, right? He's mm. you know that's When he lived on the West Coast, and the family would go there quite a bit. But Sarah had also never been to, to Cedar Point. Really? Oh, well, there you go. Great. So they're just fucking, yeah, this is a cool, this place is great. And we had friend passes on our season passes, so nobody had to pay to get in. So away we go. First ride we jump on, because things are a little crowded, and you know, you've got the app that tells you which coasters are running at what time, so you, you have some little intel information. We're going through the place. It's beautiful. We put him on the mine ride. Now, if anybody who's sitting at this table has ridden the mine ride at Cedar Point, it's kind of the first coaster you're allowed to ride when you're a kid. <laughs> it's an adult coaster, but they'll let you in a little lower on the, yeah. the height chain. And maybe 1984 or something, before they put seatbelts in the mine, right? It just had a lap bar. Yeah. And it chucked a kid. Sure did. We all remember when that yeah. happened. Yeah. Because our confidence in roller coaster rides had been fucking checked, right? And it chucked a kid, and I didn't think it ended well. And his well. name was? was It was Chuck, wasn't it? Chucky. Chucky. It was Chucky. Yeah, it was a Chucky Mine Ride. <laughs> that's, that's how he'll be remembered forever. There's t-shirts, R.I.P. Chucky Mine Ride. <laughs> now he's Chunky. Now he's chunky. Well, the lap belt, the lap bar thing was supplemented by a seatbelt after that. And as a young kid, mine ride was one of the first ones you're allowed on. And I remember my father, who was 6'4 and easily 350, forcing his body into the mine ride just so you know he could ride with me on the mine ride for my first like roller coaster, roller coaster. It was very cool. So we put Oscar and Sarah on the mine ride, and it's just getting dark, and they're fucking having a blast. And I was just like, okay, well, they're having a good time. Next ride, we're going to the Steel Vengeance. This is a vicious bitch of a coaster. This is an angry, mean, two and a half mile long, uses more wood than like 17 forests. Well, that's the yeah. wood coaster. It's a wood coaster. Those are fantastic. They had, it used to be a wood stro- coaster called the Mean Streak. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And it put too many people in the hospital with back injuries. <laughs> yeah. They did. They had to. It was bad. Not in the hospital, but that, that was my last ride of the day. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Seriously, the the at, coaster at nine fifteen. Yeah, it's like the second coaster I rode. I'm like fucking hurt my back, done. Yep. And the trick with the mean streak was because it was a wooden tr- coaster with wooden tracks. Yeah. There was so much lateral slop in the son of a bitch, but that's what people wanted. They wanted the vicious ride. But as Dan, 
and, and the vicious landing. It was all of the above. Oh, Chuck. Uh, so the, the Steel Vengeance is they took all the wood tracks out and they replaced them with these things called I-beam hybrid tracks. With an I-beam track, it's not a tubular track. This bitch can now throw lateral Gs on you and do barrel rolls and shit that no other coasters could ever do before. And rather than having it be like a just 90-second coaster that's over in a, a short one, like Maverick, which is <coughs> fucking shocking and amazing, Steel Vengeance is Maverick, but like times seven, you're going to be there a while, right? So we managed to get into Steel Vengeance, and luck of the fucking draw, we end up with front, front car, front seat. Come on. Yep, and I immediately looked at Merritt. Merritt and I have done that before, so we immediately gave front car, front seat to Oscar and Sarah. First time on Steel Vengeance, world's greatest roller coaster, they sat front seat fucking right on. The sounds that came out of Oscar and Sarah <laughs> didn't stop for three minutes. These two Fantastic. were in throes of ecstasy and terror at the same time. <laughs> it was a blast. And so it was lightly raining. So Sarah's like, every time I'd open my eyes, it was just pelted. with. And, and Oscar's like, that's what's like riding a motorcycle with no eye protection at 80 miles an hour. It hurts. Yeah. And Sarah's like, yeah, I got to close my eyes. I can't, you know, the water, like the raindrops. It was a bitchin' ride. So we rode a few coasters. We did some cool shit. And the park was chilled out enough at the end of the night that we rode Gatekeeper, which is another stupid, insane coaster that throws you sideways, literally through a metal gate, right? And you're like, we're going to hit that son of a bitch. And then it throws you sideways the last second. You shoot through the keyhole. It's like threading a needle. And Oscar... And Sarah are both engineers. Their brains only do physics. So the whole time they're on these rides, they're just looking at bolts and nuts and hoping for tensile strength and hardness. <laughs> or right? failure rates. Or fa- <laughs> <laughs> hey, when do you think the last time was that was torqued down? Yeah. So they're both fascinated by that. And yeah, it had the desired effect. They both had a great fucking time at Cedar Point. That's so fantastic. Super cool. Man. We went to a Halloween party in Pittsburgh last night that couldn't be beat. And Oscar and Sarah showed the fuck up. Costume party. We always talk about, you know, yeah, but did you understand the mission, right? It's a costume party. So you went down to fucking Spirit Halloween store and you bought the $12 Captain Jack Sparrow costume. Sexy Captain Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> the sexy Captain Jack Sparrow costume. And that's how you showed up. Um, no, my friends, Oscar and Sarah did completely understand the fucking mission. Uh, my friends, when they showed up, uh, the entire place, needle scratching on the uh, needle scratching on the record, it all, all shut down to give them their triumph fucking... I'm going to pull it up here for you guys so you can see it. Because it's stupid funny. The, and why Oscar and Sarah don't dress like this more often, I don't know. Because it's, it works for them. Like They could be the couple that just does this. Uh, I, it had to be Sarah's idea. It couldn't have been <laughs> Oscar's idea. Uh, it just couldn't have been. There, there's no way uh, that it was, just, it was just them. But they did it and uh, it well well done, guys. I'm just going to give you that. We'll, we'll throw that one up. And uh, give me one second. I know the audience at home has been looking at, the, or the audience out there has been watching. I won't this spoil for a what they were dressed as, but it was the costumes looked really quality. Like they did. I don't right. know if they spent money or time. No, or, I think they spent both. Man, I think they spent both. Uh, the 
Come on. There you go. Da, 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 da. All right. Sorry, guys. We're, there you go. Yeah, they're the girls from The Shining. And Oscar, in particular, did pretty goddamn good as one of the girls from The Shining. And anytime somebody threw a picture up, they would pause, they would hold hands, and they'd cock their heads to the right, just like The Shining. And they did nail it. And That's yeah. A long time ago, when I was uh, in shape and, and dating my wife, we, uh, we went to a party as lesbian Wonder Women. Really? And so we both dressed like one yeah. and then we'd be smooching and stuff. And oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Very cool. And so yeah. a lot of times, though, these guys, if I was turned around, you'd see some guys coming up like, hey. Hey. Yeah. And then I turned around with a beard and kind of made them not as happy. And they were like, yeah, we're the, <laughs> this just became Uh-oh. suddenly less fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had a great time. It was a, it was a good, good party, good Halloween event. Uh, yeah. So to all the people out there, do some Halloween cool so, shit. So was this uh, was this like a replacement for your usual big deal? Yeah, I, it's no nothing will ever replace Theater Bazaar. But uh, look up Theater Bazaar. Just that's what you should do. Nothing will ever replace it. This is simply just a one nighter that was just to go to a Halloween party. So it's not my last one for the year, but it's it's one of the was ones. Was it that, a known person that threw it? Or was so it this a- is a, a there's a bar in Pittsburgh called Hidden Harbor. And if you like tiki drinks and you like cocktails, you got to go to Hidden Harbor. It's up on Squirrel Hill. And it is a beautiful tiki bar. You know, truly done by some of the best artists in the world went in there and did it and laid it out. So the vibe is right. The quality is there. Cocktails are top notch. So, and, uh, you know, and there's also Lucky Monroe, who's look him up. Lucky Monroe is a great tiki bartender, a great guy. And he was here at the... Uh, they called it "Till Death Do Us Party," and uh, <laughs> very nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Very good co- couples costumes all around. We just had a great damn time. It was super fun. The uh, I I have to say that the event itself completely delivered as advertised. Everybody was like, "Yeah, this is really good. We're having a good time there." And uh, yeah, we we did great. So super fun stuff. Uh, anybody have any super fun Halloween things they're doing this year in the stupid Halloween season? Because we love it. I will be participating in the Oberlin Halloween Parade this coming weekend. Oh, really? We are putting together a little float uh, with one of the city vehicles and some blow-ups. And nice. Are you going to do like a, a big turd or something? Or? We <laughs> really did. We were looking for a nine-foot-tall right. poop emoji, but we could not find one. Why so. not? Yeah. I mean, kids love poop these days, right? Yeah. It wasn't It wasn't in the cards. Oh, oh man. Yeah. I really, I thought that, I, I kind of thought that um, you'd be you'd be into that. I mean, I talked with the, you know, the city, the higher up is in the city, and they were all good with, like, you know, Mm -hmm. blow up condoms and having tampons dragging behind the vehicle and stuff like that. Right. I mean, yeah. Toilet paper streamers. Typical Halloween, right? Mommy, what's that? Just decorate with all the the stuff that was clogged in the drain. Yes, exactly. All the things, like, to remind people what not to flush. A 50 pound wad of tampon. Or. (laughs) (laughs) And no, we're, we're not allowed to have that. So okay. last night we went, my family, me, well, me, Amy, and B, mm-hmm. we went to like this place, it's like Breezy's Pumpkin and, you know, whatever, corn yeah. maze or something. But they had a haunted, it's supposed to be a walk, but it was too muddy, so they had a haunted hayride, right? Yeah. The whole time it was cool. B was kind of scared. There was people jumping out, but I was amazed. The mud, when they said mud, like the mud was like a foot deep. Yeah. But like this Ford tractor, <laughs> Holy cow. Was, it was pulling like a trailer with 35 people on it like it was nothing. Like well, six and a half foot wheels can really make it through some Tractors are called yeah. tractors yeah, right. for that reason. But I mean, like, I was like, there's no way it's making it. To, like, yeah. you could just hear the mud going, you know, like that squishy, like whatever. Oh, it's crazy, man. 
Yeah, that is a truly that's a tribute right there. That's yeah. it, when we when we have shit stuck at AMA Vintage Days, when we have shit stuck like RVs stuck up to both axles, oh. and you're like, you see seventeen guys with four by fours, like we'll get it out. No, you need one tractor, yeah. and it can be an old tractor. Oh yeah, an yeah. Alice Chalmers. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and it's amazing. Yeah. Some kind of a Massey right. Ferguson, I'm yeah. sure. It's amazing. Like they're it's it's pulling a trailer with thirty five adults and kids on right. it. Right. And the motor's at like nine RPM. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, a, and, it's, and like, it's in creeper gear. That's yeah, yeah. a three cylinder diesel hit and miss engine of some sort. Right. right? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it's fun. That's cool. So, Every, f- so for ahead. Halloween every year, uh, for the last 10 years, we've put out a, a little uh, table on our driveway while I'm passing out candy for the kids, but this is something for the parents. So, in the past, I've uh, put out bourbon and yep. scotch and stuff like that. Good so, man. this year, I was able to procure a bottle, or more than one bottle, mm-hmm. of uh, salted caramel <gasps> crown royal. Oh, that's going to be good. That's going to go fast. Ooh, that'd be print. good with the apple, too. You, like half and half, salted oh. caramel apple. That's a, br- that's a really good idea. Maybe yeah. just put out some little plastic, you know, little tiny plastic snooters. snooters yeah. And then just like, doot, 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 and here you go. Caramel apple, baby. And oh, it, that's And it's idea. funny because Mrs. Smith says, well, this is for the kids. And the adults, if they'd like to step over yeah. there for a treat, we have treats for the adults. And you can see the dads are walking with the moms. And the dad's eyes light up. Mm-hmm. So, so get back here. Get back here. You're not drinking. It's a Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Get it. Yeah, Tuesday, literally Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Because, yeah. like, they cut it off early, yeah. right, in my neighborhood. But Oh, we don't start till 6. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's like, we're out there. We do our job. We show up. We have all the candy. We have the whole deal. And then I will usually do airport bottles of Fireball. Come um, on. Yeah, for the dads. Yeah, for mom dads. Just takeaways. Yeah, I, just, I buy, you can buy those fucking things. You can buy a bucket of, of Fireball bottles for 12 bucks, and I think there's 20 of them in there. No shit. Yeah, I just, I just grabbed two or three buckets of them, and go ahead. You know, something for the kids? Cool. Dad reaching the bottle. You know, come on, mom dad. and dad come over here. Come on, dad. And they're You're like, me. oh, yeah. <laughs> That's it. I would never drink the shit myself personally, yeah. but for keeping you warm on a chilly Yeah, but how many Cleveland people start night? doing the da 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 Oh, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty fucking awesome, man. It turns, yeah. it turns the evening up a notch, which is exactly what we want. Well, and the parents come back for the third and fourth time. Well, that's true, too. But it is... It, it is <laughs> Let's it go over good. to Mr. Waters' yeah. house again. Yeah, we always like Halloween for us. That's that's a big deal. Uh, hey, you guys, remember if you listened, Andrew Taylor from last week. I just wanted to say thank you, Andrew Taylor, for coming down. Andy, um, yeah. I still I don't understand the vegetable thing. Like, did did we leave you in charge of the safekeeping of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got vegetables. Well, that's not a good idea. No. Why did we give it to you? You should have <laughs> gave it to me or him. Yeah. I just snaked them away. You know. Just what the case. fuck, man? Like me and that John is are bad. Planning. We're going on a, a, a marital retreat. Oh, what? what? Me and John. Say that in English? Carolina. Yeah. I was going to say that. Maryland. You can play that back. He said, we're going back on a Mamero yeah. tree. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mamero tree. We're going to have Marrow. Mero. We're going to go eat Marrow retreat. Yeah. So, wait, when is this? Is this, you're hanging out of this from the North Carolina trip? Yeah, of course. Oh, those are going to be fucking dinosaur bones by then. No, they're all sealed and things. Okay. Well, I mean, we could also I have don't a Christmas think they party. They have an expiration date. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. You can so always get uh, more, too. So yeah, that's the, native, that's the Native American medicinals. There's more right. at the store. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, that is fucking but awesome. To his credit, so he also brought these other things, these little treats, these the snacks, these gum gummies. Yeah, yeah, they were like they're Mike they Tyson look, ears. Yeah, they were ears. Yeah, they were ears. And they had like a little. Uh, Did a, you have one yet? 
I've had a lot yet. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are there any left? There might be. Really? Uh, one or two. But, but but the thing is, is that there's a bite out of the ear. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, a, it's Mike not Tyson. only are you biting Tyson. an ear, but you're biting an ear that already has a bite out of it. Yeah. So you got there sloppy seconds after I Mr. Tyson. I just fucking thought it was such a great thing it's that a great like, concept. it's a fucking yeah. ear with a bite out of it. He's a, so he says, after watching the podcast from last week, I have a message for Johnny Mac. I can fill his chair, but I certainly cannot fill his shoes. Uh, nice. Very nice. Fun times, very fellas. Nice. Good yeah, stuff, yeah. Thank man. Thank you for coming by. His condom, though. Good stuff. <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, very fucking cool. We could both overfill your ass. Um, hey, so you know in the past we've talked about Fox Moto, right? Fox Moto's up in Kanukistan. Uh, they're Pacific Northwestern. They're over in Victoria, British Columbia. And here's the thing. He says, once... If you guys are interested, if you guys are interested, go to Vancouver. And then we can go to the one show in Portland, renting bikes from them at Fox Moto up in Vancouver and ride with those guys down to the one show in Portland. Hmm. That's a kind of a fun adventure. You know, that's April-ish, May-ish, whatever. Uh, John and I have done that show before. It's a lot of fun. Yes. But uh, he says... Once you get off the island, it's either five and a half hours if you're going through the Vancouver Ferry, right? Or we can take the Coho Ferry, which is a ferry I've taken to Port Angeles, Washington. So the Coho is an old, like, fun, that's a cool old boat. And you can take the Coho to Port Angeles in Washington State, and then it's four and a half hours. So it's a 90-minute ferry either way you go. Either you're going to do the Victoria Ferry or you're going to do the Coho Ferry. And you end up... You end up in Washington, and four and a half hours later, you're at Portland One Show. That is a long ride, but it's a cool ride. So, well, let's do it. That sounds like a really fun thing for anybody who wants to do it. Yeah. By all means, look up the guys at Fox Moto Rent because that's something that would be a super cool thing because you're ending up at the One Show. And I cannot give high enough ratings for the One Show. That shit is spectacular. Oh, good out, John. Yeah, nice. I'm trying to get a pop. Nice. It was, a, it was a good, I think the audience Cider doesn't it. work as well as beer, probably. All right. Is that a Dickens? Hard Dickens cider? Yeah. No, it's an angry orchard cider. Okay. Do you guys want tech challenges first, or do you want to go into a stupid rant? I like rants. Okay, rants, rants it is. Okay. Boobies. Rants. What? Where's rants? Where's rants? Call, call rants. Uh, so, hmm. sleepy... Sleepy this week went on a tear. I think it was Sleepy's fault. Sent us out a, a message to our devices, our podcast group, talking about um, a dealership selling those CF Moto 650s. Yeah. For how much money? $39.99. When I asked them for out the door pricing, right. came out $46.25 or something like that out the door. Okay. Right. So if the, if the dealership does what the dealership says they're doing, this is last year's model 650, mm-hmm. soon to be replaced by the 700, but it's still a 650cc motorcycle. It's a pretty nice bike, man. Right. It looks like if you tried to order Kromke's uh, Tiger from a Chinese distributor who also was looking at a picture of a KTM when they built it, right? Uh, there's, But that's a twin, so it's more like a Versus. It is more like a Versus. You're absolutely right. It is more like a Versus. And... For forty six hundred bucks, okay. Who's gonna do it? Who's gonna spend the forty six hundred dollars to find out if this is decent? I mean, if you look online, (laughs) well, there's there's quite a few dudes who have like reviews on YouTube, and nobody says it sucks. 
Okay. Yes. Like it's yeah. not. I mean, nobody's nobody's like falling over themselves saying it's the new Ducati, right? But at right. the same time, for under a five thousand dollars for a new adventure touring ish bike, cool. Yeah, that is. I mean, what is it? Forty horse, forty five horsepower, or something like that. You got. I I don't know. I honestly didn't do any research on this bike yeah. at all. I did nothing to look it up. However, it's, I did go to CycleTrader.com and I found dealerships all over America. Selling this bike at thirty nine ninety nine plus plus plus, I mean the number of dealerships that are pushing this inventory at you, it's kind of shocking. Uh, you know what? It's I think? almost good if it's down on horsepower because then it won't kill itself. But not only that, but this is what I'm thinking about this. The good rev limiter and not making too much horsepower. It's well, enough to move and everything, but it's not going to kill itself. What I'm thinking about this is is that. Right now, CF Moto, if you're not us or heard Phil talk about right. it, you're probably like, who the fuck is CF Moto? It might as well be fucking like, you know, Joe Blow's fucking Chinese motorcycles, True. right? So they're going to bring That's in this exactly new model. Who they are. Well, no, but they're going to bring in this new model, right? So they're going to dump all these as a loss leader, but they mm-hmm. get into people's hands. And they, they, if they're halfway decent, you know, if they're proud of their shit, they get it out there. At least people are, because like, that's a price where you're like, okay, I'm willing to take a chance. That's, that's that RX4, that CSC bullshit RX4 That's price. what we got to talk about. And it's way different of a motorcycle. That's what we got to talk about. Because just a few years ago, to buy a Chinese motorcycle in this price point, you were buying a 250cc powered. And we had uh, uh, Tim Hempfling brought yeah. one of them to our podcast. Yeah. And has been riding one for a long time. But it's a 250. And it's a single. And it's made of Chineseium. Yeah, the metallurgy and, was not... And Tim was the first one to say, I had to fix this, 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 this for my thirty nine ninety nine Chinese motorcycle. The other guy, Danimal, that's yep. the guy... But he's got 10,000 miles on it also. Yes. Well, exactly. Danimal has 42,000 miles before he got rid of his. Mm-hmm. 42,000, sorry. And that's a CSC, that, uh, CSC, California Scooter Company. Right. Uh, but he had yeah. three motors. Mm-hmm. He Ooh. had to have wheels built by Woody's. Like he was trying to do everything he could wow, to keep that really, thing going, right? But it literally was just falling apart from the inside. Okay, so now we've established that this bike that they're selling for thirty nine ninety nine. This is we look at the calendar. It's twenty twenty three. It's October of twenty twenty three. These bikes that are all being sold for this thirty nine ninety nine price point, all of these bikes are twenty twenty twos. And all of these bikes originally retailed at $57.99. So in one year, this bike went from an MSRP of $57.99 to an MSRP of $39.99. So it's lost $1,800 of value, and it hasn't left the dealership yet. Imagine, if you would, that you were the guy that bought one of these when it was $57.99 in March of 2022. To now find out that your bike that might be, you know, is a year old and has 3,000 miles on it now has a Kelly Blue Book value that is going to be lower than $39.99 because a brand new one, the same bike you own, is at the same dealership you bought it for from for $39.99. That's a bitter pill to swallow unless you're just, this is a disposable bike and I'm going to run it into the fucking ground. You know, and if you're buying a bike... right to enjoy it Mm -hmm. then at the end of the day if it loses you know value it loses value like everything else so absolutely if if you know if you if you think you're a stock market trader in 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 motorcycle (laughs) you're gonna you're gonna lose all the time lose your whole life so fuck it you know buy the bike enjoy the bike right put miles on it yeah 
And it's not a hideous bike either. That's no, the thing. It's I'm a not nice even. Bike. Yeah, I'm not even trying to say it's a hideous bike. Uh, what I'm the only thing that I'm concerned with is the guys that did buy this the CSC 250s, right? The guys that bought those bikes, they learned real quick that you, there is zero dealer support. Okay, anytime anybody brought one to my shop, whatever mechanic I had working for me at the time. Went out, took a look at it, and went, nope, nope, no, 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 no. I'm not touching that. Why do you think the why do you think the mechanic doesn't want to touch it? Anyone? Anyone have an idea you, why the mechanic doesn't want to lay his fingers on that Chinese bike? You can't loosen the bolts, they break. <laughs> okay. Well, and then let's play that to the next step. Yeah. The guy comes in for an oil change or a flat tire. All he needs you to do is replace a tube in the back tire. Now you're gonna one that's gonna take the tire off. You're going to take the wheel off. You're going to take the chain off. You're going to take that wheel off the back of that motorcycle. You might have to take the exhaust off. There's like 11 or 12 pieces of hardware that might fucking break when you're working with it, either taking the bolts out or putting the bolts back in, especially if you're putting something into a threaded hole. That was already cross-threaded from the that, factory. Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, there's also the factor of you You touched it last. That's you must- right. It was okay when I brought it to you. Now it broke, like mm-hmm. two days after I wrote it away. Yep. Well, yeah. that's just but, but knowing that who CF Moto manufactures, do you, I don't see that being the same kind of a problem with these bikes. I do, right? and here's why. Really? Because I learned something about working with Chinese companies, and I learned it when we had the Mad-Ass, that when they want to, when somebody's paying the bill to have it be the highest possible standard. Mm. They can produce an incredibly high possible standard. For the part, you know, if you say this engine engine case is going on to the CF Moto engine, and you say this engine case is going on to the KTM engine, well, CF Moto is paying for the CF Moto engine case going on to a $39.99 bike. On the case that's going on to the KTM motor, that KTM's paying for that, and that's going on to a $13,000 bike. When you hold the engine cases up and you go, they're identical, I say, no, break out your electron microscope. I'm going to bet you they're not identical. I'm going to bet you that the case on the left that's built for the bike that has an MSRP of $46.99 is not the same as the metallurgy that KTM is specking in for the $14,000 bike. Right. The dog. I think the dog might be trying to come down the stairs. I'll go check. Oh. Um, anybody have any opinion on that, though? Do you think there's a chance that there might be two separate qualities? Well, I've always said, you know, candy cane connecting rods and chocolate camshafts, that, that's been, you know, sort of a, a Chinese thing. But honestly, with a lot of the Chinese stuff, the, the poor quality doesn't always manifest itself in the motor. It's all the ancillary stuff and, like, right. hardware and stuff like that. And if, you know... The motors, I mean, I don't even, I, I haven't seen a Chinese scooter where the motor blew up. I have. You probably yeah, have. Yeah, a I bunch mean, of them, yeah. But usually, I mean, usually it's like car boots and stupid stuff, electronics, body work, all the yep. suspension, all the other crap. But yeah. the, the motor's eh, not the first thing that I really right. worried about. Right. But we've seen, we've definitely seen in, in Chinese products, we have seen the crankshafts, which were supposed to be hardened. So that the nut that goes on the end of the crankshaft that holds the clutch on or holds the flywheel on, where it just pulls the threads right out of the crankshaft. Well, if you have a motor 
and the motor's not running right, and you pull the cover off, and you realize that the flywheel or the uh, clutch is flopping around inside, you back the nut off that holds the clutch on, which is supposed to be, and I do understand there are plenty of zinc you know, hardware that is designed to be used one time. Now, I got a bike with 600, 700 miles on it, one of these Hawk uh, bought on Amazon dirt bikes, right, that came into our shop, and it clearly was not running, right? Pull the cover off, that nut that holds the clutch on was just dancing around in there, right? We backed that thing off. Well, guess what? The threads were just pulled. The, the threads were just peeled. So one of two things. Either at the factory, the guy putting it on over-torqued it, destroyed the metallurgy, destroyed the strengthness of that, and it was, only, it was a ticking time bomb. It was only a matter of time, so many use cycles, until it peeled off. Or the metal, it should have been heat treated. It should have been hardened so that it couldn't do that. So either it was cheaping out on the, the metal that's in the crank or it was the guys assembling it weren't doing a consistent job. No QC. End result, still, customers looking at me and I'm like, dude, you need a crank, right? You need a crank in a bike that is worth $999 best day for a 200cc Amazon or Alibaba dirt bike, right? Mm. And... That's where the guy goes. Well, I'm not putting I'm not putting 800 bucks into this thing, right? Because even though the bike was assembled for four dollars an hour, it ain't going to be fixed for four dollars an hour. So when you lose that equation, and I've dealt with my customers that lived in China for years that said, "Yeah, we we had Chinese scooters, we had Chinese bikes," and it wasn't a big deal because there was a guy on every corner that had like a, a door that would open up, and in the daytime he'd push out eight bikes. And you'd pull up with your broken bike and he'd send you out on that bike while he was fixing your bike. And you'd come back four hours later, drop off that bike and pick up your bike fixed. And he would do it for like $18, $22. Well, we don't have that here. So you can't expect to get cheap available support. The trick with Tim Hemfling owning that CSC 250 is that Tim's a goddamn good mechanic. Yeah. And Tim is going to, and your friend, you said that the guy, Danimal, uh, yeah. Danimal, these are guys that know how to either get in front of the problem, they see the problem, or when the problem happens, not only do they fix it, but they order better parts. Well, I think well, the interesting thing about Danimal is he documented the whole thing. If you go to Adventure Rider, you can see his whole thing. But what's interesting is, is he knew he was buying a cheap bike. He kind of did it for the challenge. I think you did the same thing when you got your Tau Tau. Yeah, the Grom. The Vader. The Grim, yeah. Yeah, whatever. the Vader. When you got that Vader, I think you were doing that as an experiment. I was. Yeah. Well, I wanted it to, to survive mid-Ohio, and it did just that. And yep. then actually, I mean, like, we, I took it on rides, and I mean, it, it, I sold it running and doing all the things it was supposed to do, so. Yep. But... But I think the Danimal guy, like, he took it beyond what most people would do just because he wanted that challenge of being the guy that puts, like, 50,000 miles on that thing. Yeah. But, like, what he did, nobody else would do. Right. Like, the amount of work and effort and time and stuff like that, it just wasn't worth it, you know? Absolutely. Now, we, you brought up the Madass. Yeah, they just, I sent you a thing. They're selling Uh, it I'm going to throw it up here for us, for the folks at home. So we're all going to, I'm going to show you guys what this is. Um, So we were a mad-ass dealer and we were selling mad-asses, you know, eight, 10 years ago, whatever the fuck it was, year of our Lord, who knows. You were selling your mad-asses off. I was selling my (laughs) mad-asses off and people did want them, right? And people did like them and and that was cool. Uh, 
The problem was we experienced distinct quality shrink. Like we had, it was super disappointing to us with the first batch of mad asses we had where we were putting them on the road and just being like, these things fucking work. How far, how far can they go? Across country, right? Literally, they can go across, <clears throat> uh, across a country because we have done it. So, but here's what, here's what really bothered me was the second and third consignment to those that we got. You know, once they were coming in and they weren't exactly the same. Ooh, $3,200. All you right. Can, you could just buy the, the Futura. <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called. Well, but here's what this is. This is kind of a thing that I wanted to bring up when you said that. So you sent this out, and you're like, "Oh, well, here's a madass that you can still buy." I've seen them as low as twenty eight ninety nine. I've seen them as high as thirty two ninety nine, depending on the vendor, right? And this is Amigo, Liza, and Motorcycles and Misfits. She got the Amigo, right? She got the Amigo um, version of the Trail seventy, right? And they've had a lot of problems with breakages, right? And, and things that need to be replaced because garbage. Well, here's what bothered me when I looked this up. When you posted this up, you sent this out to us. My Trail 70 is the most dependable bike I have. Yes. It, it, your Trail 70. Yeah, right. Well, here's what I thought was weird about this listing. They don't even know their own fucking product. And if you're buying a bike, how about, like, let's make the... Um, so there's the Trail 125 tribute for 1999 right there. They'll ship it right to your house, yeah. um, right right in your driveway for 1999, and, and it sure looks like a Honda Trail 70. Well, but here's the thing: look at this copy. Did you know that this bike is equipped with 12 inch rims? It's not. The Madass doesn't have 12 inch rims. The yeah. Madass has motorcycle rims. Yeah. 12 inch rims are what's on a Vespa. Right. So they're trying to sell you something, and they're not even telling you what it is accurately so not only i can't read english or copy and paste copy and paste so how about this they don't even know what kind of motors in their own fucking bike according to this that motor is a gy6 that's not a gy6 oh you're right that motor is a honda passport style that's a honda dream or i'm sorry honda cub style motor horizontal honda horizontal honda thank you but it ain't a goddamn gy6 or egg beater right egg beater so already in the first fucking paragraph of what is what am i buying the guy who's trying to sell you the thing isn't even giving you accurate data about what it actually is i'm concerned about that so as a buyer i would hope that you would go huh 12 inch rims I want to tell you, that isn't buried down in the copy. What's the first thing? It says Amigo Mattis 125. First thing. Two exclamation marks, though. Two. It says 12-inch rims. And that's one like you put up on your Facebook Marketplace. Read the fucking ad. Yep. Right? The first word is 12-inch rims. And the bike clearly is not running 12-inch rims. But dipshit people are like, how bad could it be? I mean, it literally, if you had a Honda Hawk and you were missing rims... right. You could just use those. You could use these. <laughs> Absolutely. But that's that's another thing about like, yeah. So am I going to be the guy? Am I going to be the guy that's going to buy a $39.99, $4,600 out the door CF Moto when, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm certain that because we are the world's greatest motorcycle podcast that you're a hell of a mechanic, mm. Right. But I deal with people every single day that are not great mechanics. 
and they bring a bike back to me three years after they bought it because the license plate bulb burned out. <laughs> okay? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy with that But bike. I'm saying that you can't be that guy with this bike, right? This bike is not a good bike for people that are going to take a bike back to the dealer for a burned out license plate bulb. No, but like if you go to like, what is it, Johnny Schlermo's or whatever, what is it over there? Johnny K's. Johnny K's. Right, Johnny K's. So they're trying to be a CF Moto dealer. Of course they are, Are they going to be able to fix all these fucking things? Well, we just had that message from our podcast listener who said what? While he's replacing head gaskets and he's replacing cams on Chinese bikes. So he's a motorcycle mechanic. He's working at a shop and he's being... At a shop, by the way, where the entire staff quit. Oh, that's right. Right? So when that podcast listener sent us, that Patreon listener said, I'm working, I'm doing my dream. I'm working at a motorcycle shop. But the reason I'm working at the motorcycle shop is the entire staff quit. Well, how long would Mecklefresh have worked at Cleveland Moto had we continued to throw him broken Royal Enfields? He would have gotten frustrated. You know? Yeah. Um. He would have found the city job. <laughs> he would have found the city job faster. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find it fast enough. So I really think that if you're the kind of person that enjoys the challenge of like, okay, this thing broke and I'm going to fix it, then probably this is a good way to go. But I do not believe for a second that hitching your name to the KTM wagon and saying, we build these for KTM, is that's a factual statement. We build bikes for KTM. Yes, you do. You, you do build bikes for KTM. But I'm going to also believe that that doesn't mean every single thing that rolls out of your factory is KTM quality. Because you're not selling this for KTM money. And if it is KTM money, or I'm sorry, if it is KTM quality, then why the fuck is KTM charging 14000 for the but, same bike? But do you these think- are built on the third shift, though. <laughs> no, but I have a question. So, like, but they did bring them out at realistic money. So they brought them out at what, 59, 50, what 40, did you say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Originally yes. 59? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's, that's, that's right in there with, with John's bike money. You know what I mean? So they did try to bring them in at an actual thing. They brought them in fifty seven ninety nine. Right. And but maybe they- that was just, hey, guys, hey, dealer guys, I'm going to tell you why you're going to sell KTM. I'm sorry. I'm going to tell you why you're going to sell CF Moto. Because remember, you don't need to be a KTM dealer to sell CF Moto. You need to be a motherfucker with big balls to sell KTM. You need to have a pulse to sell CF Moto. You need to order X number of bikes. Hey, order six bikes, you make you a CF Moto dealer. Order 12 bikes, make you a CF Moto dealer. I wonder, do you think, my my point to that, do you think that they didn't understand how little that name means to people here? So like they bring this bike in thinking yeah. like, oh, finally, CF Moto has this motorcycle available. Right. But the American audience was like, I don't give a, who are you, what? And no, American like audience also there. might remember 2006, 7, 8, 9 when CF Motos were hot garbage. Right. And they might know their neighbor that got ripped off and burned on a CF Moto. But, you know, if, to me, this is an entry motorcycle anyhow. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. so you know, kids that are 19, 20, 21 years old, they got some money in their pocket. And they say, well, you know, let me get on a bike. Yep. So it's a disposable bike. They right. pass it down to their their uncle or whatever. I would whatever like to ride one, though. Like, I we're think having we're, all these opinions, but yeah. we haven't ridden one yet. Well, no? and I think what we're going to see. Now, the reason the bike was $57.99, I'm going to get back to that. The reason the bike was $57.99 is because when they approached me, they said, I know right now you're making 11% oh. out of Vespa. How would you like to make 39%? Oh. Speak up. And I said, oh, oh huh? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, you know, when you hold your nose and sell something, now we're going to give you a reason to hold your nose and sell something because you got a 39% profit margin. Fucking How do you a. do that? You sell the bitch for $57.99. You leave a lot of latitude in there for the dealer to do some heavy discounting, right? So if the dealer wants to sell it at full MSRP, he's making this beautiful profit margin. But if reality sets in 11 and a half months later and the dealer's got to sell it for $39.99, well, then he's still making his 10 or 11%, right? So he's still there. Always consider, always consider based on the price that a dealer's willing to sell it, that the dealer didn't build it. The dealer bought it from a distributor. The distributor probably didn't build it. The distributor bought it from the manufacturer. And everybody in the chain gets their beak wet. So if this bike is being retailed at $39.99, I'm guessing the factory costs about a grand to build it. Yeah. I'm guessing it costs about a thousand to put it together. I'm going to crystal ball that this $39.99 bike, three years old, we're going to start seeing these things on the road in 2026 for 1100 bucks, a thousand bucks. Yeah. Yep. You think because when you buy it at 30, well, when you buy it at $39.99 and the guy's frustrated because he's, he realizes the only place that will work on it is a CF Moto dealer. He might be inclined to upgrade or upgrade your overseas. Yeah. Being that I'm an, yeah. I'm a what do you call it, an optimist? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So the SV650 when it first came out, nobody was really super into it, right? Then it, I disagree. Well, it was, but it proved once it proved that it was a very reliable, very good motorcycle. It's almost like the used market went the opposite way over the next few years. When SV, I remember when SV650s came out, and there had been a long gap between when you could no longer buy a Honda Hawk GT650. Yeah. And everybody was like, uh, man, you know, remember those Hawk GT650s? And guys like me were buying up Hawk GT650s because they were great bikes. Mm-hmm. V-twin, really nice lightweight bikes that gave you good power. But then they, caught, they Honda was losing money on them. They weren't a very profitable bike for Honda. Then all of a sudden, the, S, the Suzuki comes back with the SV650 brother platform with the V-Strom. Mm-hmm. There's this V-Twin back again, and we all love the way V-Twins feel. You couldn't lay your hands on a fucking SV650 for love or money. And do you know what it did? It went from being a good bike with a high demand and a loyal audience to a fucking legend. Well, that's my point, though. Yeah. It's like, so like I'm saying, if this bike doesn't suck yeah. and say like it's okay, right? And people figure out in a couple of years, like, hey, I got fifteen thousand miles on this thing and it's right. okay. Yeah. Maybe it won't do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like because right. if it's an affordable bike that doesn't actually suck, that right. is going to fill up. It's going to fill yep. a market. You it know? is. It's going to fill a market, and it'll be the new Honda. It'll be the new. Look at these weird bikes from Asia that nobody trusts, and it turns exactly. out they're actually pretty good. Right. Yeah. How many years did they make the 650 motor? No, I'm good. Thank you. Oh was God, it, Jesus was Christ! Was that a one? How many? How, how, like, what do we know about that? I'll motor? tell you. I, I'm going to do. Because it. was it we made the 650 for one year and then we bumped it up to a 700? Oh, you mean or this we, this particular thing? Yeah, I don't know. How are there? Is there I a 2021 have no available? idea. Or 2020? I mean, like, is there any time? Or, I'm going to look. Or is it we had to hurry up and quickly redesign the motor and turn it into a 700? Because <laughs> I see where you're going with this one. 650 had this, this, and this problem, so we just relaunched the thing as a 700 mm-hmm. after doing all these updates. I well, think you're I right. I just think, I, what other company has a 650 right now, though? Or a Everybody. 600? Oh, Ooh. what's that? 
who everybody's gone to 700 790s yeah. 800 like trans helps to 700 yeah but they're, but they're still trying with their 660 the versus is still a 650 but i'm know? saying yeah. i think and they, 50 cc's Right, but I right. think the numbers. I think I, they're Chinese, so they want that number like to match what all the current stuff is. You're right, so, because I mean, realistically, right. couldn't they just change? Literally, like they could just take that motor, mm-hmm. you know, go up a few thou, mm-hmm. and and yep. the way they 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 put the CCs, maybe it's six seventy two, but now it's a seven hundred. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's nothing that says a seven hundred has to be seven hundred CCs. Not even close. A seven hundred could be one hundred and twenty five CCs. There's nothing. There's no law that says <laughs> right. You know, you have. Well, if you call it a seven hundred, it better be seven hundred cc. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of six twenty fives being called seven hundred. I mean, wasn't uh, BMW doing that with the GSs and stuff? You could like buy that? a GS eight fifty. You could buy you could buy an eight fifty or uh, a six fifty and an eight hundred. Sorry, six fifty and eight hundred that were the same motor. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, to answer your question, yeah. two thousand nineteen was the launch of the CF Moto six fifty. Okay, so they've been out there. We, that should be a pretty known entity. Three years, three years, four years now. Four years now. Yep. I mean, if you they think were, they got it worked out? If they were right? junk. That people yep. would be screaming about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so that's a very, that's a very interesting thing when we're talking about a motorcycle in our market at thirty nine ninety nine, brand fucking new. And I and I do this every day. I cannot point you at a thirty nine ninety nine brand new motor scooter. No. 300 cc's i cannot there is no 300 cc motorcycle a scooter i can point you at for 39.99 that's going to give you a good day it's going to give you a good a good life you know you got to spend about another grand to get onto like a kimco 300 or something like that so if they're doing it and they're doing it at do we know the specs did they show us like what the top speed is or what is oh i'm not even gonna get into it you, there's so much would you rather there. have that or a used japanese equivalent much Better, I would much rather have the used Japanese equivalent. Correct. Always, 100% of the time. Correct. 100% of the time. Even just because if I did decide to do something crazy, like ride it to Cincinnati, you know, four hours away, and I broke the bike in Columbus, or I broke the bike in Cincinnati, I'm almost positive I could get a Kawasaki part shipped to me the next day if I didn't find one at a dealership somewhere. Whereas if I'm trying to get a CF Moto part shipped to me the next day, that might not be so easy. But here, here's something interesting. Yep. Okay, looking at this bike and like thinking about like the uh, the seven hundred X that I had, right? Right. Yes. The Honda I had the the swing arm was just a piece of box steel. Yeah, super cheap. Just slapped out the back. The forks were like non inverted, just pieces of shit, fucking right. thirty eight millimeter forks or something like that. Yep. It this almost looks like better quality. I mean, again, I haven't seen one, haven't ridden one. But like the NC seven hundred X was like I think it was basically a CF Moto bike that Honda slapped a logo on. You know well, what I mean? Like I'm going to tell you why Honda you used. Shut your mouth. <laughs> I can tell you why Honda. You know that bike was built in Thailand, and I can tell you why Honda used the box section swing arm because the box section swing arm is something that they already owned the part number for and the manufacturing for, and they've been doing it for ages and ages and ages. And Honda some Honda had a meeting. And Honda said, well, we'd love to give this thing like this gullwing style swing arm, this cast, badass cast looking swing arm. We'd love to do that. But if we're going to be able to make it at this price point with the labor we got to pay for in Thailand, where on the rest of the motorcycle are we going to shitty up? Where are we going to cut the quality? Where are we going to reduce the manufacturing costs? Okay, do, let's put on a super giant. Let's, let's use a Chinesium chain and sprockets. No. Okay, now we use a Chinesium chain and sprockets. Now we can give you the cast Swinger. I mean, there's so much to look at. I'd rather have a box section steel anvil swing arm 
and, and know that it's, it's solid and it's been this. And know, maybe a motorcycle that's going to do what? Take you back and forth to work for nine years doesn't need to have a cast super vacuum formed style looking swing arm. You know that swing arm is never going to break. Never going to fuck yeah, up. Exactly. Oh, and that's another thing too. Boy, you're not fucking kidding. When we see some of the bikes that we've had in the shop that are Chinese bikes, the seat is garbage. The grips are garbage. The handlebars are garbage. The levers are garbage. The switch gear, don't get it wet. Do not get it wet. It works one time and then it's broken. And then you're like, oh, but I can I can replace all that. Yeah, but do you want to replace all of that? You know, Corbin probably is not already making <laughs> seats for the CF Moto because there aren't too many people going. Well, I'd like to throw a, a nine hundred dollars seat on my four thousand dollar bike, yeah. right? Yeah, or at least I just feel that might be a thing. I want to ride one, man. I, I we all want to. I want to ride the hell out of one. Is what I want to do, but I don't want to be the guy holding it, right? When it breaks. When it breaks. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to be the guy showing up at the CF Moto dealer going, hey, mine broke. And the, and the mechanic back there goes, yeah, well, I just got hired and the last four guys quit. And so I got to replace all the broken ones. Yeah. I mean, just looking at it, though, like, okay, you have dual discs up front, right? That's yep. like stuff for that price. You're getting a lot of things, man. Like, it's, it's either yeah, well, like it really if, sucks or they're really trying to make a loss later. Okay, so if I said, if those are Nissan calipers, right, those are... 95 to 125 bucks a side. If those are Brembo or even Indian Bybri, like by Brembo calipers, you're looking at 200 bucks, right? A side. But we know they're not. So the question is if I take a Brembo caliper or a Nissan caliper and I hand it to China and I say, I need this as cheaply as you can make it, do you think China could get that down to 30 bucks a pop? Hell yeah. Right? Because we all know what's inside of there. You could build that for 30 bucks if you took away all the QC. If you, The most expensive part about building a thing is every human being that lays their hand on it or lays their eyes on it. Because the factory, the machine will spit out as many as you want. Right. The castings come out fast and furious. It's cleaning the castings, doing the quality control, making sure the pumps pump and don't leak. I'm 100% against buying anything from China if I can help it. If you can help it, it has Unless proven... it's the simple, stupidest, dumb thing. I mean, I still do Harbor Freight. I can't yeah. lie. I mean, yeah. but car parts, I got burnt on the Amazon car parts from China yeah. and stuff. And it's like, I had to replace them in a year. And even like auto parts stores, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I've, now I'm going rock auto and I do research and I found... Just bought an alternator, but it was manufactured in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Oh, but let the me belt t- was made in Canada. The tensioner was in Mexico. Yeah. But here's the thing about Rock Auto, which I recently found out. They have no customer service, no. and you can't. No. So when you pay for overnight, and then it doesn't come for three days, you have no recourse whatsoever except for to return the stuff, but you don't get your money back for shipping or anything. I mean, I'd much rather buy from Summit. <laughs> But I'm sorry, Steve. It's just too it's too convenient for me. You know, I know I could get a I know I could get a discount if I went and met you and we went there and everything. And 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 I bought and, and I would buy some I I shop some summit and stuff and I, I might try to make a better effort. I'm not just running straight to Rock Auto. Yeah, but I don't I don't care. I bought stuff. But the from thing Rock about Auto. Rock Auto is they give you everything. They're tapped into every supplier, and so you get they give you the you want economy. The, the shit that's going to last less than a year, mm. we have all that. Do you want a daily driver or do you mm. want performance? Or do you want like hard weather, like coated, coated uh, yeah. rotors and stuff like that? You get it all. No, they get it's, it all. It's, but it's too hard. It's too convenient. It's just that their, their system doesn't work as, as good as it should. That's all I'm saying. I've had some issues. I ordered my alternator and parts on Thursday, late Thursday. 
they arrived today. So, I mean, it took a few days, but I could wait. Yeah, but they said if you order before 3 p.m. and over order night, you can have them the next day. I ordered that, paid $140 for overnight oh, shit, well, and then they yeah, never I fucking mean, came. Well, yeah, it's because I, I had a car in a shop that I needed to get the fuck out. I mm-hmm. needed to get the parts. Yeah. And some, it didn't have them, and so I, you know, I was trying. But, but I, mean, I mean, if I if I compare it to what I uh, looking at the auto parts store, it was, you know, half of it. Yeah, I mean, even right, their no. most expensive one was still cheaper than the cheapest one at an auto parts store. Yeah. An auto parts store, Duralast crap and stuff, it's junk. It's yeah. total no, you're junk. You're right. You're right. Well, I'll say this: I've never been to a Rock Auto Sports Park. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it might be coming. That is no, true. I mean, I definitely tried to order for my work first, but we were just out of stock, and I needed right. the part because I was—I had a motor hanging, trying to put in a truck. I mean, yep. I don't know why Summit doesn't have a Cleveland branch. I mean, put, just open a retail site somewhere in Cleveland and just sell all the Summit brands. Right. I'd hit that place. I'd take a look at the shit they got. Yeah, for real. Absolutely. Or I can walk in, order my parts, and the, you'll you'll call me when they're ready, or you'll ship them right to my house, or something like you know. I mean, I don't know, or a, a drop. I'm sure nobody in the the entire corporation has thought about that ever. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> the uh, what I think when we're talking about the parts that we see at the shop that fail, and when we have a, a bike or we have a bunch of bikes that are like, okay, every single one of these has had a bad fucking master cylinder. Like, what the hell's going on? Everyone's had a bad master cylinder. Everyone's had a bad uh, brake hose or something. Like these problems that pop up, and you're like, okay, this is our twelfth one of these. This is a manufacturing problem, right? So uh, 30% of what we've sold, this problem shows up on. Well, then you start really looking close at the part. And you start looking close at the part, you start figuring out, okay, what is the actual fail point? Is it a machining problem? Did the part not get built the right way? Is it a company A didn't know that company B was going to use a galvanized piece where the galvanization didn't interact with the brake fluid? Rubber. Rubber is a huge problem. Yep. With yeah. with a lot of parts and yeah. stuff like that, auto parts, motorcycle parts, yeah, rubber. It's the usually rubber, the part that fails. Petcocks, yeah, yeah, you can buy a nine dollar petcock, yep. yeah. and it's going to last maybe a year before the, the good gas luck, can, yeah. you know, gets eaten away. Yeah, that is a big fucking deal. So when we talk about the Chinese bikes, we talk about these kind of things that are appear to be sordid deals, and we're like, can't miss. What what could possibly go wrong? Well, I guess we're going to find out. We're gonna we're gonna know more because right now, if you said. Forty six ninety nine. I go buy that bike brand new, at you know Johnny's house of Chinese bikes, or for forty six ninety nine, I can buy a three year old Versys. I'm buying a three year old Versys, man. Yeah, I'm just buying a three year old Versys. There's no doubt about it, because one, I want to have a reliable riding experience. I've never bought a motorcycle in my life where I was like, God, I hope this bitch breaks down. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the chance I can push this thing up and up and on ramp, right? Never. I've always bought a motorcycle going, well, you know, Hondas are reliable and I want a vintage motorcycle, so I'm going to get a, I'm gonna get a Honda. I can't wait to get that new bike and tear it all apart and replace all the cheap shit that everybody says breaks on it before, oh, I, before fuck, I even yeah. ride it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the Grim. I had to replace the axles. Right. <laughs> now, like the fucking axles. Is there a more important part on the motorcycle? Not You're like, oh, brakes are important, but axles are importanter. <laughs> yeah, they are. Axles are importanter. Much more importanter. Much <laughs> fucking more importanter. So if you have to replace axles, yeah. how much did the guy Whoa. who built that bike care? Yeah, right. He didn't care one bit. He it, saved money. He sold you He sold you a bike with shitty axles. Well, that's the thing. I got it for $8.99 on a special delivered, 
Yeah, okay, yeah. So eight nine and delivered. But yeah. then I spent probably one hundred and ten dollars yeah. just on new hardware. Right. Yeah. I replaced every bolt on that fucking. But bike. again, I, I just want to remind people that you are a seasoned yeah, yeah. motorcycle mechanic, rider, experienced person. You are in the top maybe one tenth of one percent of the people that bought right. Tau Tau Vaders, <laughs> right? Because everybody else comes into my shop. Right. Just broken. I was. I saw the other day somebody had an SSR and was just on the SSR forum, just talking mad shit about how bad SSRs were and like what a piece of shit his SSR was. And he was saying how terrible it was and how like the bolts that hold the engine in had stripped through the frame, right? And he was complaining about like how this is the sign that this is a junk project product. But meanwhile, in the same picture. He had his back tire, which was a factory knobby, looked smooth as a baby's ass. So you know he'd been burning that fucker down. He had every bullshit red anodized fakey fake go fast part on it, like the air filter. Like everything was done with red stuff. The only thing that wasn't red on the bike was the Loctite because he didn't use any. There was no Loctite anywhere used on that vehicle. That's the thing. These kids, these people are crazy. So like I have that that Buscadero, right? Yeah. It's 140cc fucking semi-automatic four-speed in that little pit bike yeah that ask john he's written it's scary it's a scary but like it does not need to ever go faster power to weight ratio is epic and every single dude is like what are you gonna do to mod it we're gonna nothing i'm doing nothing it is nothing to mod i really don't know what you would want to what would you want to do how could you make it better (laughs) yeah i mean what would you do it has a loud exhaust it has all the things from the factory on it like electric start it has that. Yeah. Rever- it has reverse. No. no, it doesn't have that. But if you want to add reverse, then you're just an idiot. Okay. Pat, Patty, you know, our friend Patty from New Jersey. Patty's here. So, oh, O-Furnier? Yes, O-Furniture? exactly. Patty, Patty of Furniture. Uh, Patty said, Johnny McCheese. Mac and cheese. I've got a 2012 KLX 250. Mm-hmm. Kickstart. Mm-hmm. Kickstart KLR, right? 250. It runs fine in the lower gears, but in fifth and sixth, it dies a bit in the mid-range. KLR or KLX? It's KLX. It would be a KLX. It's KLX. That might be electric start. I, I don't know. I've never played Yeah, it could. Right. I've had them both ways. Yep. Well, let's see what he says. 2012 KLX 250S. It runs fine in the lower gears, but in fifth and sixth, it dies a bit in the mid-range, but if he works it through, it comes back in the high range. So the high RPMs, it comes back, but he's got to push it. So he wants to know, like, where should he put his energy because he's he's thinking right now it's a carburation problem, but hmm. the mid range is fine at the because this two fifty motor does not have a lot of excess power. Yeah, but the carburetor doesn't know what gear you're in. That's right. The carburetor doesn't know what gear you're in, but the motor carburetor package understands a load being thrown at it in say, the higher gears. Is he lugging it at those speeds? Well, or in those gears, or is he driving it normally? But the carburetor is not putting out the right air fuel mix mm. to make it act surgeon, like it's If you he's going to tell you you need surgery. That's right. If you ask a, a, a chiropractor, right. he's going to tell you you need chiropractic. Yeah. What about yeah. a holistic? If you ask a guy who has never met a carburetor that doesn't need clean. Oh, yeah. Right? He's going to tell you to, to look at the carburetor. But, yeah. I mean, just because, why not? Yep. Pull it apart, clean it out, look at it, just make sure all the pieces are there. One of the things to really might be interesting to look at is the little brass bit that sticks up inside the carburetor. That will definitely affect you. if that's mi- I've had them where they're missing. They're gone. <laughs> so the so the bike will idle really good. Yeah. And it'll run uh, wide open really good. But the middle is all fucked up. 
It, it can't do anything in the middle because Which it's... Which knob are you talking about? The... So inside the carburetor, every That's the carburetor, yep. you have your emulsifier, that tube that comes up, but inside there's always another little piece where it's the little brass piece. Sometimes it's part of the emulsifier right. tube. But on like Makunis and stuff like that, which that might be a Makuni, I don't know. It's a separate little brass piece. So you just look through your carburetor, make sure that thing's in there, hmm. and make sure it's not fucked up yep. or something. That could be a little thing right there, because that'll definitely mess up your mid-range. Yeah, for sure. And then, yeah. you know, you could play a little bit, and again, I don't have the carburetor looking at it to see what type it is. You know, but you could try playing around with your needle. That's where I was going to go. Clip on your needle. Yeah. Move, go up a clip. Move, go up a clip. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, too, looking a little bit, or try to run it where it's bad for a mm. while and look at your plug. That's, or, you know, are you running too rich? I mean, maybe somebody already fucked with it you and know, put, moved it the wrong way or something like you, that. You mentioned something. So one of the things that I never thought about until I had a bike shipped from Salt Lake City, mm. right, is that if you're buying a bike from somewhere where at high altitude, you might have to change that clip on, on your needle. I mean, like, yep. you know, they could, say, they could send you a video of it running perfectly. When it gets down to sea level, it's going to be all mm -hmm. kinds of fun. The mid-range is always a, I mean, that's your, that's your needle. You yep. know, at idle, it's your pilot jet and your pilot circuit. Mm -hmm. At wide open, it's the main size jet. of your main jet because right. it's maximum fuel right. going through the main jet. Yep. Everything in the middle is all about the needle and the and the emulsifier tube. And also, too, with this, ah, now I'm thinking about this because this is a liquid-cooled machine. So this is a liquid-cooled machine. Next question is, do you have leaky uh, intake bellows? So if your rubber on this bike is, what is this, uh, 2012? So this is 20-year-old or 10-year-old rubber, 13-year-old rubber. Uh, check your boot that your carb mounts up to check your interface between the air box and your carb make sure you don't have an air leak because the air leak will really hit you in the mid-range because wide open throttle is wide open throttle it'll 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 fucking rip but and you can make the bike idle on the on the idle screw no problem but remember your air fuel mixture screw only works at the low rpms the idle what is the air fuel mixture screw for the mid-range is how much cfm is going through the carb and on these bikes, it's pretty fucking picky. I mean, a full fuel system cleaning. So start yeah. with the gas tank. Make sure you got good flow. Clean your pack up. Make you know, start from the gas tank and work your way through, mm -hmm. all the way to cleaning your air filter and checking your air box and all that. Right. Shit. I mean, like, yeah, go through all that stuff. I mean, uh, if it's something else besides you know, if it's in timing or compression or something like that, yeah. okay, maybe. But it sounds yeah. like the bike's running too good to really have. It does, doesn't it? Those. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. That's definitely that's something I'd be after. I'd be I'd be looking at that pretty closely. Uh, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with these bikes. I've I mean, I've, like in first and second, you're going to rip right through the rev range and not really feel a stumble in the mid. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's, but what Sleepy says is lugging. Well, you know, you put this bike in fifth or sixth gear and it's lugging. I mean, this is a 250 in fifth or sixth gear. It is lugging. It's a dirt bike. So it's not going to be giving you the happy joy joy eight thousand RPM thing that it's giving you in first and second and third gear, yeah. So yeah, that's that's something worth looking at. I think. Well, especially I mean, if you're so the you know when you're looking at lean rich, if you're if you're giving it the throttle and it feels hollow, mm. like you just like uh, that's uh, yeah, that's yeah. lean. Yeah. If you give yeah. it the gas and it goes kapoor, right, or or it goes right, that's usually rich. Yeah, there's that thing where I say it's hunting. So it's if it's hunting for revs, and it's kind of like when you're running the bike at the top of third gear, or the top of fourth gear, and the bike is going, I'm like, add some gas. 
add some gas. If you if, if you if it goes faster when you let off the gas, it yes. might be a little bit on the lean. Yeah. What about falling flat on its face? At like mean? like so say you're in so I'm still having fucking I I have to take apart my blue bike. Yeah. What it does, it runs great, it goes through everything. Mid range is fine. Yeah. But obviously when you open it up, something to do with main jet. So like it, when you're nailing it, it's smooth, smooth, smooth. You give it more, it just falls flat on its face. It goes, yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, I've flooding. Had a, I've had a handful. That's, that's The flooding. bikes that had yeah. too big of main jet, yeah. that was the symptom. They were yep. pretty good in the yep. low and mid-range, but then when you went full throttle, puh, puh, and then puh, 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 also keeping it running. Then, then it could kind of, if you yep. roll off and let it catch up, it'll slowly You're catch running up. too rich. You're running too fat. Okay. So here's the trick too. I also remind every single person I, I tell this to. When you, when you have that experience, okay, so wide open throttle, it, it dies, and then back off the throttle a little bit, it comes up again, it comes up again, right? Remind yourself, too, that too rich also could be not enough air. Yeah, because so, I could change the needle then? Well, position? Or you got a dirty air filter or a, yes. a rag or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so... I mean, that's what happened with my quad. Somebody had, you know, I yeah. looked at it, I saw that it was hinky, but it looked like it was okay and it would breathe. Right, but then upon a further inspection, after sucking up a bunch of Mid Ohio dust <laughs> through a T-shirt material that was wrapped around the original yep. thing, and then I'm like, boy, you know, it's it finally got to the point where it was running like shit, and I'm like, well, I mean, I guess the first thing I should do is just yoink that out and see how it runs. And oh, that was that was. All I know, that was I know, it. it's got a good air cleaner because I put it in there. But like, so do you think? But so do you think at this point? I think that the guy jetted it for the pipe that's on it, the Kirker. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thinking, can I raise the needles one? To so give it- my favorite thing, if I love the fact that there's a carburetor. If I'm holding a carburetor in my hand and it has a needle in it, yeah. the first thing I'm going to do is raise the. I'm going to literally move the clip down, because every motorcycle I've ever owned that was from the factory and nobody else had gotten their dick beaters in it, the factory tends to run them with the needle too low, okay. right? So no matter what bike I'm working with, the first thing I'll do is I'll jack the needle up a a slot, right? If you have it, great. Because usually uh, the fact when they build a carburetor that the needle has three or four clip positions in it and you ain't in the bottom one, right? The reason that that carburetor has three or four clip positions in it is because that carburetor is meant for more than one motorcycle, right? It does give you some range there. So I always say, check the needle dummy. Like first things first is check the needle. So move the needle. It's the easiest thing to do. You can do it super fast. You don't have to get your toolbox out. Raise the needle. Try it again. Take it out for a ride with the needle pumped up. Because that is just, a, if, you, if you raise the needle and nothing changes, that ain't your problem. Put it back where it was. I will say that a couple of times when I had bikes that were jetted way too fat on their main jet to where it was running poorly like that, yep. they were way too high. Way they were like high. ten sizes. Like somebody must have messed red and put yeah one forties in when they should have been one twenties or something like that. And it's to and the it common. could be that somebody thought, oh, it needs it's a stage four setup. Yep, this needs a. I'm going to go four size. I'm going to go yeah. way rich. Yeah, and make sure it doesn't run lean. Well, they never brought it. They back never brought it back after you know. the break in. Yeah, it makes and honestly sense. a pipe, a bike. If you put a four into one on a, a bike. It should run great with that pipe on. Yep, it will. It just might be a little bit on the lean side, and you should go and put one or two jet sizes bigger yeah. on the main. Actually, I like doing both because mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of going up a size on your pilot jet. But it starts easier, idles better, yeah. it has more fuel through the whole range. And back. they come from the factory notoriously lean anyway, so you're just you're just doing a remedy at that point. Okay, cool. Got that one. I feel like we murdered that. Now, the fucking tough one. Change your spark plug too. Sometimes that's always. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Just a new spark plug sometimes. And I that catches me too because I'm the guy who's like, you know what? 
I don't think I've I don't think I've ever changed a spark plug in my life until I've cleaned it at least twice. <laughs> I will always clean a spark plug at least twice before I change it, and that's I dumb. Mean, I would, that bike shouldn't be going through spark plugs or anything. No. but you just never know. Okay, Ryan Hegdahl, that's a name. Uh, Ryan Hegdahl says, "Hey guys, I'm looking for some advice on a couple of my current projects. I have going. Yes, I know I should stick to one project at a time, but my attention span never allows." So my 74 MT125 Elsinore, yeah, that's a two-stroke, I'm building for racing some hair scrambles and enduros. Fun. Fuck yeah, that's fun. Fun. And you can get into mid-Ohio cheap. My buddy uh, Don Slicker down in Cincinnati, he has not one but two RL250 Suzuki's, the Ooh. trials bike. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm supposed to maybe end up down there, and he's like, yeah. when you get down here, be ready to ride these where you and I are going to go on a jaunt. And nice. Fun. Oh, that's going to be great. So I'm curious if I'd be able to get away with just a capacitor in place of the removed battery. Now, these had a little baby 6-volt battery in them, a little baby lead-acid 6-volt from the factory. Okay, I want to maintain the ability to run lights for night rides and scooting around town, but would rather not keep the battery in there since it's a Kickstarter. Run a Honda (laughs) without a battery. Under any All right. circumstance. Okay, so uh, let's start with the first one. All right, I'm just going to start with the first one. So, yes, John is absolutely right. If the Honda was manufactured, and from the manufacturer it had a battery, then it needs to maintain some kind of a battery. Now, you might put a little 6-volt lithium in there. You might do the Sparky method and just take two or three lithium cells and tape them together and make 6 volts, series in parallel, and put that where the battery used to be. It weighs almost nothing. But here's why you can't use a capacitor. Because even if you have, what are, what's the term? Is it like microfarad? What do they, how do they measure those capacitors, Dan? Yeah, microfarads. Microfarads. You have to use like a 50,000 microfarad capacitor to accurately simulate what a 6-volt battery is. And it's not because of heat or anything else it's because you need the duration of holding the energy to soften what the voltage regulator is putting out and to have the ability to have lighting systems and dc and ac systems operating at the same time right yes for racing for years and years and years guys have pulled and made constant loss systems and guys have put capacitors look I'm going to tell you, I have owned motorcycles that have had capacitors where they used to have a battery in the idea that a capacitor never dies. A capacitor is not a battery. A capacitor acts like a battery. It holds a charge, but a capacitor can sit on a shelf for 20 years, get put into a vehicle, and still be a capacitor. They use 6-volt batteries, which are notorious for lasting for a long time. Why do golf carts have 6-volt batteries? Because they, they last, last a really long time. long time, and they cost twenty two dollars. Go to Har- to get the original yeah. battery for that bike and stick it in there. Go to Home and Depot. You'll be hundred percent solid and reliable. Get the security lighting battery from Home Depot. It's fifteen dollars. There's no acid in it, so the bike can be laid on its side upside down. It won't spill acid anywhere. You won't have to look at the fluid level in the side of the battery to make sure you've got enough acid in there. Get the Home Depot six volt lantern battery or security lighting system battery. It's as big as a pack of cigarettes. Twice as big as a pack of cigarettes. It has the perfect leads on it already. Put the terminals on it. 
I mean, I like that. Yep. I, I was a big fan of those yeah, for a long time, I, and yeah. I still use them. Yeah. But I've gone back to just ordering Lead the, cor- the correct yeah. battery right. for that bike yep. because it does have the correct plug-in it leads does. and everything. Yep. And more importantly, it fits perfectly in the factory it does. battery holder. It's yeah. not going to move around, bang around. Yep. And it's, the reason Hondas need a battery so much right. is because most of them, I think all of them, are running a DC ignition yes, coil. Yes, absolutely. So they're not an AC ignition coil where they're running straight off of... A, the right. coil in the stator, yeah. They the coil in the stator is going through a, a re- rectifier, mm-hmm. which is charging a battery and giving DC to. So you have to have DC right in your system, especially. And now you're going to run lights. You're absolutely not going to want to run lights with a capacitor. You have to have a battery. So. That's exactly it. If you're having the perpetual draw of an incandescent bulb or whatever in that bike, headlight and tail light, that is going to keep the capacitor on its back foot at all times. Because that's kind of where capacitors... I mean, this fucking yeah. guy, he knew what I was going to say. He's, just, <laughs> He's fuck, baiting you. This is fucking... You're trolling me. You're baiting me. You know what I'm going to tell you. It's a Honda. You're going to fuck it up doing anything different than what they already what did. What they already did. An yeah. MT-125 is a cute, beautiful little bike. It is a great bike. Just yeah. kit it out. I mean, you, you could probably do suspension. I mean, if you want to race it, hair scrambles and everything. And I realize now when John said it comes with the right plugs on it, no shit. That battery is nineteen dollars and ninety five cents, brand new. They're almost cheaper than even the. They are almost cheaper than a security battery. And those little suckers last a long time. They do. I mean, you can kill yeah. them. The one in my CT seventy, it goes dead all the time. Right. But you start the bike up and run it for a while, and next thing you know, you can turn the key off and it got a charge. Yeah, you know? it caught a charge on it. Yeah, it really did. All right, so we, I think we murdered that. Okay, now the hard one. This is the hard one. Okay, the second bike. Don't is my, ask me about oil. The second bike is my 1977 CB750K. That's a single overhead cam. It's getting a full frame up rebuild since after my grandfather put 77,000 miles on it, most nice. of which were well back done. and forth from central Iowa to the Great Lakes Naval Base. The engine has decided to blow out the head gasket. Not surprising. The sleeves show no taper from the top to the bottom, measured with a bore gauge. They shouldn't. And the pistons show no significant wear. They usually don't. Uh, I was wondering if I would be able to reuse the original pistons after some cleanup and inspection. If there is still a place to get pistons in stock size or minor overbore. Or if I'm going to have to bump up to a 760cc. I have my own fairly well-equipped machine shop for the majority of any engine work minus an actual crank grinder. So if need be, I can resurface, bore, balance, and fine-tune if need be without having to fork out money to the local engine shop. Thanks for all you guys do. Listening makes my work days so much more bearable. Ryan Hegdahl, (laughs) a.k.a. Moto Monkey 17 Hotel. I felt like I've met him. I I'm sure we have. Oh, but he right? sounds badass if he's got a full machine shop. Uh, to talk why is he guy. talking to us? At right? disposal. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's his shop, but whatever. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Really I mean, cool. you kind of answered your own question there. I mean, if the cylinders look good and the pistons look good, I mean, a CB750 motor is probably like any modern, like, you know, like you've said, like even the scooter motors are rated at 250,000 miles. Yep. Absolutely. It's not the things that, that blow up on a, on a motorcycle aren't. If, if it was just ridden and yep. ridden properly and well-maintained and nothing had catastrophic happened, who knows how long. I, I, I'm totally, I totally agree with you. And the head gaskets are weak. We know that. We've seen leaky head gaskets on every fucking CV750. I don't think I would have even pulled the cylinder off. <laughs> I mean, I would, have, I would have pulled the motor out. I'd have taken off the head. I'd have looked right. at it. I'd have maybe wiped it out a little bit, rotated it over, checked to see if it's not... Yeah. 
if it's not scored and everything looks fine from what you can visually see yeah I agree. I'd put a new head, a comet, probably a comatic, like Pretty a really good, good quality. head gasket. I would it. say if you have the motor that apart, it's more important. Look at all the small things. Every seal, everything yeah, you can get that's for $3. That's weak link. I mean, put I all that shit I in might there totally new. redo the head. Okay, 77,000 miles. I would focus on the head. So? I would do valve springs, valve seals, valve seats, and all that stuff. Relap the valves in. Maybe, I don't even, buy new valves. Probably not even buy new valves. i just lap them in with some diamond paste. Yep. Make sure the the head is sealing and everything is functioning and oil tight and, but yeah. So here's my thing, guy. Been doing this for a little while. New clutch, maybe. There is a company oh, yeah. called VintageCV750.com. There's also a whole lot of places on the internet where you can get brand new first oversized, second oversized, third oversized CV750 pistons. Yeah, if I was okay. going to buy new pistons, right. I would probably just throw a new set of standards in there and forget yep. about it. Yep. But see, there's a lot. See, when, as soon as you do that, you right. need to hone the cylinders. Yes. So yep. if now you're paying a machine shop good money. If you had just yep. left that all together, right. and don't even touch it, mm-hmm. you could have just left them go because now they're because those are already, you know, they've seated themselves in, right. they're honed. And I talk with the, like the one racer guy. He's like, no, I don't like honing a cylinder. Because that's a whole that's starting all over again. Yes, it is. I want my cylinders to already be bedded in to be like glass. <laughs> right. They they're not gonna. It's like the, less friction. They're, that's what they're supposed to eventually become. Right. You don't want all that crosshatch in there. So going back to the history of this podcast, when we started this podcast, the two things that we said: if you're gonna buy a motorcycle, you buy the CB350 because there's a 93 million of them. You can get any part you need to fix it. You can get any part you need to keep it on the road. And we said, if you're not going to buy that, you get a CB750 because there's 10 million of those on the road and parts are readily available. You can you can start with a frame and you can build a CB750 just with a credit card. Um, these companies like CB750supply.com, uh, VintageCB750.com, there is every fucking component that you would need for a CB750 from mild to wild. If you are so inclined to keep that bike, your your grandfather's bike with 77,000 miles on it, yeah, man, sure, you can keep that bike alive forever. There's absolutely no question that that particular machine is infinitely maintainable. The other thing is, I mean, like, are you going to buy Honda OEM original pistons? It's possible. Or are you going to buy Weissco's or right. something after? Right. Because damn, damn straight. I don't know that anybody makes them like Honda made them back then. Yeah, like, and we'd learned here at the shop too that um, there's a company called Four into One. So Four into One dot com. Uh, we bought a ton of stuff from them, and we got really nice product for them. And with them, they're not so much about oh, all their stuff is in the OEM Honda packaging. But what they've done is they've found that, you know, these rubber boots work better. These sleeves work better for your swing arm. Like they've focused on replacing things with items where there used to be a bushing and now you can put in a proper bearing, right? And so they are hardening yeah, I, the CV750 platform. For put, you know, get rid right. of tapered steering head bearings mm-hmm. are a big improvement over regular bearings. You know? Very impressive with what these companies that are out there, and there's, and there's a shit ton of them too. Uh, but you can get... Almost any part. What I mean, year? oh, it's a 77. 77. So that's actually totally worth. I mean, that's a great bike. 77 was well deep enough into the double overcam era. The next year was the last year for the, or I'm sorry, 
single overhead. 78 was the last year for the single overhead cam. Yeah. So it's a really good bike to have. It still has the aesthetic of a beautiful bike, but it also has the reliability of a and, single and overhead cam. And they have cam. the legs for today's traffic. I mean, you can go I agree. 65, 70 all day. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, no problem at all. So really a neat thing. And as far as resources go, the uh, you look at the parts prices. They're not that bad. You know, they're they're really not scary to buy any motor part that you need to do a, a ground up engine rebuild on a CB750. Yep. So great stuff. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a good place I to be. I would just real. I would inspect the cam. Maybe throw a set of calipers on the cam, but it's oh, probably going to be fine. Hell, and unless it was locked, like what we've seen is junkyard CB750 motors that have been in a crashed bike sitting in a field for twenty fucking years. Have a guy with a blown motor, with a broken motor, with a real problem with the motor, and pull that junkyard motor out that has 23,000 miles on it, and just everything in that motor is great. So as long as it wasn't allowed to fill up with water, everything in that motor just needs a good cleanup. So fantastic. Good question, and... Thank you, Ryan. I pre- we really I wish appreciate you well. that. I hope everything works out. I, I think it's yeah. I think he's got a. I think he's got a real a real deal there. So that's that's bad news. Uh, bad news, but he's got two great bikes and and a good project. I mean, fuck yeah. Um, I wouldn't. It, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yanking the motor out of a CV750 is not as hard. It as ain't hard. I yeah. like to use a mattress and just like lay the bike over, get everything ready, and then yeah. lay it on its side, yeah. take the thing, and then lift the frame off of it or whatever. Or, you know, it's not it's not awful. <laughs> I think I, your wife's like, "What happened to this mattress, dude? <laughs> What's this big stain? <laughs> What's going on?" All right, Next last the one. Usual stain. This is the last one. It just makes the usual stain bigger. Yeah, right. You got some hate mail. <clears throat> oh, perfect. I hate good, mail. Good. My favorite. Good. I hate mail. Okay. Oh boy. Chad, Chad, Chad Butler. Oh, Chad. Chad. Chad fucking Butler. You got a lot of balls, Chad. Unky Phil, I was excited a little bit back that my Patreon contributions were finally paying off when you explained what a sore deal dick was. A sore deal dick? A sore dick deal. Okay, a sore dick deal. You can't beat it. Yeah, right. You just can't beat it, right? Yeah, we've said that enough. Yeah, exactly. But ever since then... Every joke's punchline gets turned into something stupid, either about the pronunciation of aluminium, pissing in an airbox, or vindaloo in British racing brown stripes. I'm currently at the Ask Mrs. Emma level, and I'm hoping the jokes get better if I pay more. Oh, he's confused us with the other podcast. Oh, yeah, because we don't talk about vindaloo. We don't talk about pissing in an airbox or aluminium. No. Or vi- or br- British racing brown stripes. No, we're American. God damn it. No, that's right. That's the other one. That's the other podcast. That's not the world's oh, greatest podcast. Oh, no, but remember you always said podcast. to send your complaint. Oh, no, they're sending their complaints to us. Oh. oh. Damn it. Yeah. So like gotcha. they said, so Liza said, send all your complaints about the misfits to Cle- phil at clevelandmoto.com. Well, it's actually send them to clevelandmoto at gmail.com. So thank you very much, Chad. Well, we you're agree absolutely with you. He's so, 100% right. Chad, you're 100% on right, the money, buddy. Right, right. Yeah. We have those same thoughts. So the resolution to this is? That's, listen to that, a better podcast. That's some bullshit. They really shouldn't be doing <laughs> nah. that to you. Uh, he said, Chad Stephen Butler, because three names are just three names, and there's nothing interesting about that. So thank you, Chad. You're fucking genius, man. He said, and he said he also believes he has a defective joke translator. So mm. that was good. Yeah, but I believe he's, he is. He's another one still waiting for the jokes. I, I believe. I was going to say. <laughs> I, I think he's at the punchline level, so we're, yeah. I think he's good to go. Yeah. So uh, what's, why don't you want to drink with ghosts? 
Because they can't handle their booze. Oh. 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 A seasonal joke. Does anybody have another joke? A oh, different God. joke? Smith is pulling out his glasses. Oh, oh, Joe, don't, oh, he, oh, he's ready. He's ready. Oh, boy. Here we go. I got a All warm right. up, or you want the close? I will use uh, mine as the closer. Yeah, I think you're right. One day, little Johnny saw his grandpa smoking cigarettes. Little Johnny asked, Grandpa, can I have some of your cigarettes? His grandpa replied, can your penis touch your asshole? No, said little Johnny. His grandpa replied, then you're not old enough. The next day, little Johnny saw his grandpa drinking a beer. He asked, hey, grandpa, can I have a drink of your beer? Grandpa replied, can your penis reach your asshole? No, says little Johnny. Then you're not old enough, replied his grandpa. The next day, little Johnny was sitting on the front porch eating cookies. Grandpa asked, Hey, can I have some of your cookies? Little Johnny replied, Can your penis reach your asshole? Grandpa replied, It most certainly can. Little Johnny replied, Then go fuck yourself. These are my cookies. Hey! <laughs> well done, Johnny. I approve. I approve. I'm like doing the physics in my head here. Really? Really? <laughs> I'm trying to see you need you. to go step in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, go take a time out in the powder room. <laughs> Absolutely. Take a time out in the powder room. So a sailor's out at sea, and he says to the captain, wow, I, I haven't had any pussy in a long time, and I, I need to get some. He's like, I've got just the thing for you. Go to, we'll take you down and you, to the pussy barrel. So he goes down, and it's a barrel, and there's a hole in it. He's like, go ahead, stick it in there. So he does, and he's like, oh, that was amazing. What the heck's going on with that? He's like, can I come here anytime I want? The captain says, yes, you can, except Thursdays. And he says, well, what's wrong with Thursdays? He says, Thursdays, you're in the barrel. Hey! Nice. So what was, what was the part that was giving him the pleasure? The guy in the barrel. No, buddy. I know, but it was, is he using his mouth? Is it butt? Like, really? You, know, you like, need to walk that back? Really? I need to fucking, yeah, yeah, I want some yeah, details, yeah, man. Yeah. Well, wait, well, you know, Tuesdays, essentially. I, I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess it's really up to you whenever you're in the barrel. That's right. right. There you go. Right. However you want to play. That's it's Tuesdays. That's your game, Sleepy. You, you do it how you want to do uh, it, I'm man. I'm just saying, you know, like, you know there's, there's options there. Hey, know? I... There's only one hole in the barrel. There's only one hole in the barrel, man. <laughs> You'll figure it right. out. And I got to say... When you're in the barrel, you can let us know. That's right. All right. You, you, you report back on that barrel. Dealer's out. choice at that point. At that point, man. That's <laughs> right. it. Anybody else got anything else? Nah, fuck that. This was a podcast. Everybody remember to ride fast and take chances. Play us out, Johnny. Bum, 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 b